the heart of Wellington, Kansas, Powder and String Outfitters is your down-home, one-stop shop for all things shooting sports and outdoors. Welcome to the Powder and String Podcast. Welcome everybody back to the Powder and String Podcast. I greatly appreciate you joining us this week. I am joined today by Jeff Buds, and uh, Jeff, you are um, joining us remotely, and uh, I'm here in the studio, in the Powder String Studio in downtown Wellington. Jeff, where are you coming from? I'm in Okeechobee, Florida, Central Florida, Sunshine State. Yeah, down there, Hurricane State. Hurricane State. Yeah, we're, the day we're we're recording this, uh, you guys just had was it Isabel, Isabella. Yeah just came through so i'm assuming obviously from where you're located you're you fared well yeah it didn't even it's just a wind event for here you know it's nothing no. yeah yep well, that's definitely definitely a good thing for sure but um man jeff i greatly appreciate you coming on here um we're going to talk turkey today um for those of us that are for those of the, the listeners that are, are joining us with uh you know the video they're going to be able to see behind you you've got a bunch of uh of turkey stuff and uh, so, Jeff, if you want to tell the listeners out there what, you know, what's your upbringing, where'd you come from, a little bit about yourself, maybe? Yep, perfect. So, uh, Central Illinois, Springfield to be exact, and just a normal kid in the city, just Dennis the Menace with the pellet gun, just chasing blackbirds. And uh, folks divorced when I was young. I, I didn't have any... Uh, male role model, uh, nobody to take me hunting. I, wa- I was in the city, wasn't around hunting at all, but just always had an urge for it. Um, and went, went was down at college at Southern Illinois University and met a buddy who's still a dear friend to this day and uh, said something about hunting. And I said, man, I'd love to go. And, and so I was a junior in college and we went uh, on a goose hunt it was my first hunt. And then Boy, it went from there. And the next spring, he said, oh, put in for a turkey tag. And and uh, I shot a scrawny little Jake on my first day out. And how it all panned out, if it would have been different, if I wouldn't have got a bird, if it wouldn't have been so hard on me the next two years after that and, and really drove it in uh, and made me want to beat him, if you will. Uh, yeah. You know, which, wherever, however, I don't know. But here I am. And so fast forward uh, from 1989, April 1st of 89, when I shot my first bird. And then uh, I just got, I was, uh, had a Dear John letter and, and in Illinois. And, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to cry about this. And I'm going to, I moved out to Colorado. That's where my dad was. And, and said now, and I had only taken, uh, what, six birds until up to then, five birds until then. And, uh, um, I just went off on a tangent. I had heard about the Grand Slam and uh, called down to Florida. For, the, and talk for the listeners out there that don't know what the Grand Slam is, the Turkey Grand Slam, won't you tell them, yep. tell them so, what that consists of? So for, for the, the U.S. Grand Slam, it's uh, an Osceola from South Florida, uh, an eastern that goes from the Atlantic to basically the Mississippi and just, just a little further west. And then the Rio, like the rivers in the Southwest and the Miriam in the mountains of the Northwest. And I say that just for, I have, I memory stuff from way back and I just to keep it real simple. 
Miriam M in mountains in Rio, Rio Grande Southwest, but there's four different turkeys. Um, and there are some states that you can kill different subspecies in those states. Florida, there's Easterns along the Northern border of Georgia, Alabama. So we, uh, we, I do chase some up there, but, uh, and, and people ask me, oh, do you have to do it in the same year? Do you have to do any, any legal bird of that? And you could take 50 years, you could take, get one and in the, in the same day of all four or one in 50 years, it's all considered a grand slam. Yeah. And how many grand slams have you completed? So I've, I've actually slowed down my, uh, on my bucket list was a hundred. So I, I, finished that wow. uh, a few years back. So, and people say, Oh, you're too young. You're a liar. I mean, I've had a bitty old lady, uh, come and confront me at NWTF and she's, you're a liar. And I'm like, Whoa, ma'am, I'm sorry. You know, give me your email and I'll email you all my documents if you want, but there's, you can get two Osceola's in the fall and two in the spring. So I was the first one to get four grand slams in 1999. And then since then I got four slams every year, um, until was it 22, uh, uh, 21 that I, that I finished. And, uh, uh, you know, and then after that, and I, I definitely slowed down because I, you know, Osceola's is usually the last one people get to finish their grand slam because they're expensive and I pay for right. them myself. I mean, I have leases and I pay landowners and and they're the, they're the toughest to get because there's only a half of one state to get them in of the 49 states right. that have turkeys. So anyway. Yeah. So you were from, you said from 90 until 22, you were shooting four basic, basically four grand slams. Yep. 99 was the first time I got four, but I had had several between then. And then I, I always figure out an angle, no matter what, whoever, and everybody in certain life, whether whatever hack you can. And I figured out that the Seminole reservation is the only place uh, that you can, you don't have to follow the state laws. Um, and I talk about it freely now. I always worried about some billionaire coming in and passing me up, but they don't allow any hunting on the reservation anymore. There was one 3000 acre piece of property that they had hunting and I, I got uh, 11 birds from those off the reservation in a span of four years. So uh, that really, that sort of accelerated my numbers. But yeah, basically, you know, 25 years of four slams a year and, and here I am. And now, so you're back to your question. Uh, I have to look, I've got an Excel spreadsheet for everything because I, as many birds as I take and myself and I guide you others. You have to. Uh, but uh, I, so I was stopped at hundred. So I think I'm at 113 right now. That's just, un, that's, that's just unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> that's just crazy. Do yeah. you know, I mean, from somebody who, I mean, I, I'm a turkey hunter. I like to, tur I, I used to think I was a turkey hunter until I started talking to Jeff Buds. Um, <laughs> but is there somebody that has more than you? No, no. Uh, Dick Kirby. So, uh, he, and unfortunately, and he was an unbelievable man and, and uh, inspiration to many and, uh, he passed away in 09. Um, I had passed him, but he, he was, he's at, uh, 67 and there's two that aren't hunting anymore in the 45s. I'm sort of neurotic about that. I, I don't look over my shoulder, Oops. but I like to just know, cause people ask me that right. stuff. Uh, there's, 
There's a few in the 30s. There's a bunch in the 20s, a couple that have hunted with me every year. Um, and and uh, there's countless in the in the teens and single digits. But uh, and I say countless, you could count them. There's let's say uh, there's I don't know. 50 that have double digits, maybe 60. And then there's, but there's That's several thousand that yeah. have one or two, but most people, normal people, they get one or two and they check it off their list and, and that's it. They don't, they might chase a bird around them from time to time, but no more grand slams. That's crazy because I mean, as somebody, I, I, I know what a grand slam is. It's something I would like to do. It's on my bucket list, if you will, at least to do it once. But I mean, it's just obviously where you're at is just a no, that's an unconscionable another level, complete different level. Now, the um, how, what's the correct way to say the the turkey that's down in the Yucatan Peninsula, the os, oscillated or os, yep. Yep. Oscillated. oscillated? Yep. Yes. And then the Goulds is in the mountains of Mexico. So the the Grand Slam is four. The Royal Slam, like the Royal Flush, is five. Is the Goulds, and then the World Slam is your sixth. Is the oscillated. And I've done those. And then the U.S. Super Slam is taking a turkey. And it just says a legal turkey out of each. And I started the very beginning. And I say that people say, when did you start? Well, I was probably 17 or 19 states in when I heard about the Super Slam. I said, wow, I'm going to do that. And I finished that in uh, 2000, May 15th of 2014. I, I took a uh, Arizona bird was my last, my 49th bird. And people say, oh, there's 50 states, uh, but there's none in Alaska. So the so the the lower 48 plus Hawaii is where you get your super slam. So and I've, I've done that. So and, and so uh, the super slam is is the U.S. 49. So you've shot 49 or you had to have shot a bird in 49 states. Correct. And, you know, so people ask how many total birds. And I again, I'd have to refer to my Excel spreadsheet, but uh well over 500, 530, 25. Do you have any, do you have any state records with regards to birds or spurs? I mean, uh, spurs I, or beards? I don't, I don't. I've, uh, I've mounted each of the biggest and coincidentally it's, uh, I, I was real lucky and early back and I just knew and, but you know, I'd, I've never shot a two inch bird. Uh, and, and I looked and I, I look at that stuff every once in a while, but honestly not much, uh, uh, when I go to the NWTF records, you can go to NWTF.com. It costs $15 a bird. You get a, a pin, you get a, a certificate, and then you'll get, once you get finish a Grand Slam, you'll get another pin for that. So you get one for the a certificate for the bird, a certificate for Grand Slam, a pin for each bird, Eastern Real, Miriam Osceola, and then a Grand Slam. So I've got a stack of paperwork that, uh, that's awesome you know, for all that stuff. And, you know, and honestly, I haven't been on after I got my hundredth, slam i haven't been on in the last several years to to update all that stuff because you know it it's a lot of it there's a lot of time and money involved in all of it and and as long as i've got it documented to 100 it, i just haven't pushed as hard anymore right well i mean you've reached 100 and it sounds like you've over so you're over double what the next closest living person is to even reaching you yeah Yep, yep. So, theoret cool. so, so ther theoretically, based upon what you've just explained, it would take, um, what, another 10 years? No, uh, so you could do four each year. So it would take them another 20 years almost to get to reach where you're at. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I, 
again, and that'd have I, to be a hundred percent success rate. Yeah. Yeah. They'd have to get four slams a year for a, a lot of years. And, and, uh, you know, if they're in the thirties and anyway, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. I got a little That's five-year-old awesome. that hasn't shot his first bird. People always ask, when's he gonna, and, uh, I don't know. I think he'll probably be around in the heat of it and have a good chance to rack up several himself, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's that we talk about it all the time on here that, you know, here we are talking about your successes with regards to shooting super slams and world slams and grand slams and all of that. And that's fun and that's neat and that's great. But the reason you do it is because of the experience. It's the experience. It's the memory. And that's what it's all about. And and you're sitting here reflecting back on it and, and that's what it's all about. And so here you have a five-year-old coming and yeah, it, I, I could only imagine. No, I waited late. I waited 51 to get married and my first and only marriage and, and then, uh, had him the next year and, and, uh, cause we needed to get going, you know, cause I didn't want to be a right. nine year old having, we both in diapers, but, uh, anyway, and that's, and, uh, so many things go through my people asking all the questions and, and, uh, I think Turkey, I've done a lot of stuff guiding a lot of different things, but Turkey, I have such a great time with it because the interaction and I, ADD, yes. ADD, all the C, OCD, all that, those letters involved, I'm scrambled alphabet, but uh, um, I take so many people every year. So I've taken over 500 birds myself and I've never even tried to put a pencil to how many I've guided, how many I've watched or put somebody in that spot and backed off or however played the match with them. Oh my gosh, thousands. And, and uh, yeah. that for me, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I find I make a, have a living. So tag it worldwide is my, is my business. And, and I guide and lease and sublease and do stuff with all kinds of stuff. But my mainstay is turkeys and I'm on the phone. I mean, I've got 20 texts live on my phone and on, on everybody just trying to place everybody again, Excel spreadsheet, because I do, I'm the largest, uh, Osceola outfitter in down, of course, in Florida, and then a, a grand slam as well. So, you know, three months out of the, out of the year, it's, uh, it's, uh, on it's going high octane. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm assuming you're obviously you're on social media, um, Facebook, all of that. Is that correct? I am Jeff S. Buds at, at each of them. And honestly, I'm not as good at it or do as much as uh, I, uh, with with the super, the grand slams and all that stuff. I put a lot of pressure on myself and then the social media. I do enough just to be dangerous. But uh, um, anyway, it's you get caught up. Where, where does somebody for the listeners that are that want to reach out to you um, in order to um, get, you know, have you come on and and get your services and stuff. How do they reach out to you? Tagitworldwide.com. And they, they can get on there and, and, uh, my website, my phone number's on there and my phone rings every day. I talk to somebody about turkeys and specifically about every day. So Jeff, why don't you just go ahead and, and just talk Turkey and just tell our listeners out there a little bit about what that's like. Okay. So my sort of claim to fame is the working man's grand slam. Um, I used to travel when I first started and I'd lived in the back of my truck. I literally would live for a couple months and I stayed on couches. And to this day, you know, I've got more, more money, but I'll go. And I, I just left on a trip last week. I went up to Arkansas to look at a lease for the day. And I took my sleeping bag. My I've had it for 20 some years and I pulled it out and he thought I was crazy. And, and the landowner, and I was like, don't worry about it. I'll be okay. And you just have to change your pillowcase. Okay. 
But uh, I jump in my truck and I just go and I had my same gear. In fact, I pulled a couple things out and I literally went to my turkey vest and I pulled a couple extra things out and I keep it all all handy. But uh, uh, I tell everybody, uh, you know, there are a lot of people, working guys that uh, that can't afford a bunch of, you know, can't go out and buy everything new. So I say, don't worry about buying the expensive stuff, all of it. But, you know, each year rack up, save up some dollars and some points or birthday, Christmas, Father's Day, or whatever it is, Valentine's Day, and get something nice. Uh, and and just to show you, and things, you know, with technology, here's uh, here's my, my and I range find everything, I'm neurotic, especially with the TSS now, but there's my, and now Leica's, range find Leica's are tw- mid 2000s, 25 or $600, you know, and, and Burris, I just picked up this pair, and this is a new Burris range finding binocular, they just came out, they're retail for $1,000. And that you look at the glass room, it's it's unbelievable. And that's a lot of money. I mean, I used to have a little monocular and I put it in my pocket and I would run around there and I would just look to see that it was a turkey. And I say, OK, that's all I need to see. And, you know, we're way past those days. But uh, uh, another thing that can't live without is a tungsten TSS. So here's a 410. Yes. And there's a, this is a 410 uh, shotgun. I put a red dot on it. And because I take so many people that don't have the weapons and, and I want to travel, keep it light. But uh, if you wanted to shop around or look for and most people just go and buy Apex or Federal, uh, but mm-hmm. it's real easy. The only thing you need to buy is and here's my, my screw gun is this. It's called a, it's a roll crimper. You see the end there and it rolls the end of this hole down. And, and if you bought that and you bought this one scale, that's all you need to do your own. And then you get on the different websites, you buy your supplies and you get a, a 10 or $12 shell down to five or $6. Um, you know, so anyway, besides that, you know, I've got my uh, phone charger. Um, I've got calls. Uh, so way back when, I don't know why I, I got a, this is a Primos true double. And if you look at it, okay. there's, this is a, this is a single, latex okay and then this is a double so it's got two of these and they're stacked on top of each other because what i really what drives me crazy is when you use a latex column and there there's a couple latex and they they get stuck together and you try and pull them apart or you put your saver in there so i just keep two calls in my mouth and i'm situated but here's a raspy hen It echoes in here a little bit, but I throw my voice, I'll throw my voice this way, and then I I switch, so I'm talking, so it's gonna take me a second. I switch calls. Wow. And so for that, the kiki and the purr. I'm trying to sound. So what I want him to think is it's all about communication, the strategy and the chess match. I want him to think, wow, there's multiple birds over there and I can sit motionless and do all of that. If I know I can move my hand and because I've been around him so much, I really key in on watching, you know, they say one bird, one birds, there's good and bad about everything. One bird, you can watch where that the eyes are and they walk behind a tree. You can move. But when you get busted, they're gone. 
a flock, say you get busted by one, one of the eight or 10 birds. And if you just sit motionless, they're putting, a putt is a distress call and it alarms everybody like a white tail would blow. And, mm-hmm. uh, they, uh, they, then they all, if you freeze that they'll all sort of look and they'll calm down and they'll calm that other bird down. So there's another little strategy. Something else that I always carry is my, is my reaping fan. I'll back it up so you can see. And I painted red on there because red is a color. They, any animal that has color on them, they can see color. So turkeys see color and red is aggressive and they get really jacked up. And I've made this one myself. I've got a, a blurb on that on, on social and, and you can see, but it has 32 feathers. So it's huge. But when I go sneaking up, I look and of course he's missing a feather there, but I have a handle on it and I actually have a mount here. I can put a stake in it. I can stick it in the ground. But even yeah. when I'm hunting by myself, I might, I might grab that and then I have my gun down and I keep it down and then I'll hold my gun up and I turn it and I can shoot just at the last, at the last second. And I can, I can do that. And that's, what's so nice about that 410. I mean, TSS, yeah. it, it, it's a heavier metal than lead. So there's 360 pellets in one ounce. This is seven eighths of an ounce. So it has 315 number nines and a number nine tungsten has the same knockdown kinetic energy as a number five lead. So it's half the size and it has as the same knockdown. So I can fit 315. You know, when we, uh, when federal copper plated number sixes came out in the early nineties, everybody thought, oh, there's not going to be a turkey left alive. And by golly, they sure figured it out. They still are. This and do all that. But that tungsten has revolutionized what, what the world of, uh, of, uh, hunting is as far as, as yeah. you know, the distance. Well, in, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It just the distance and a clean kill, just, they don't even move. They just fall done. Yeah. And, and, and not just the tungsten, but even, and I'm going to cross over just a little bit into waterfowl. I, my very first year waterfowl hunting was the last year for lead. Um, and I think it was, that was 90 or 91, somewhere, somewhere right in that. I remember I did the same thing. Yep. Yeah. And so I had a 20 gauge Winchester pump shotgun that I got for Christmas, you know, one year and that, and, and, you know, growing up here in Kansas, we had, you know, I, I, uh, pheasant and quail and, and then my uncle, um, he took me waterfowl hunting one day and, and that year, um, was a really good year for waterfowl and I'll never forget it. And, and, um, they called me the 20 gauge goose killer. Well, then here comes steel and you know, the rest is history, so to say. And then now the three and a half inch comes out. So fast forward a couple of years, I, I mowed the yards, whatever. And I bought a Mossberg 835 Ultimag and shot the three and a half. And, you know, I think my shoulder still hurts from it. Um, but then now fast forward to, to, to shotgun shell, technology and not even just shotgun shells, but even, even, you know, handgun rifle, just, just ammunition technology and how far it's advanced to get to, you know, 410. If somebody was in the hunting in this industry and they left, you know, 15 years ago and then just started getting back into it now, and you told them that you were turkey hunting with 410, they would think you're crazy. They would, they would want to turn you in. Yeah. Like you're unethical. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, and, and we actually have some of our pro staffers, um, here on at powder and string, they're actually, 
I mean, they're shooting uh, our waterfowl guys. They're shooting 20 gauges all day long. And, and we've got one of them, two of them now actually that are, that are getting a 410. One of them has one and one of them is getting a 410 for waterfowl hunting. And I it has to do with those. In Nebraska, I filmed a 410. I took my own shells out. I have a dear friend out there and, and I shot a goose and filmed it. And I said, Oh, the first one, I just want to do this. Took my wife out there. We had a ball, but shot it at 47 yards and it fell yeah. stone cold dead with a 410. Yep. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And, um, we got it. We have, we have another pro staffer that he, uh, he's a really good shot with a shotgun, really good, like world-class. Um, and he was, he was 60 yards with a 20 gauge, uh, with tungsten. So that tungsten, and now, yes, it is more expensive, but if you look at the, um, I'm going to say accuracy because so many people have the, have the, the tendency to, um, anticipate that recoil, especially yep. with bigger, bigger shells that's needed for knocking down bigger birds. Um, the accuracy is better. The patterns are better. The knockdowns better. Um, less follow-up shots. So yes, it may be a little bit more expensive, but by the time you factor all of that stuff in, it's really not. And yep. if you take into account, you know, if you're going for, you know, that slam and you're, you know, on a hunt down in Florida, why would you be concerned about, you know, five bucks when the, the, the most crucial element of the entire equation, the cheap, the least expensive and they, you get a guy that wants to balk about a $10 shell. When I'm sitting there mm -hmm. looking at a bird going, huh, here, you want, when, when it comes to the truth moment, and I say, here, this shell, I'll charge you $100 for it, but it'll kill that bird 100% of the time. You want it? He he would be raining C-notes going, give me that shell. Yep. But then he wants to balk when he looks at the price tag. But there's a bag, and this is, I've worked at it, but that's number nine shot. And you see, I mean, it's, it's insane. You know, but now remember the technology... And, and I use, I love Burris. So I use the Burris red dot and then I use my mm -hmm. Carlson chokes. So I, it, the guns is it, it, all kinds of different guns, but the choke, the sight and the shell, you got that dialed in and you talk about a recipe for success for anybody. I mean, that's simple, simple math. You know? Yeah. And in the retail side here in the stock, in the shop, I see on a very regular basis that, um, are, you know, the, the number of three and a half inch shells that we're selling and three and a half inch guns is, is considerably less than what it, what it was, you know, yeah, even yeah. five or seven years ago. Yeah. And in the uh, turkey we world, 12 gauges are obsolete. I mean, you know, I, most everybody is switching to a, a 20 gauge for sure. If not, and, and the, the push in the last two years alone, just to go to a, a 410 is just, it's, it's incredible, but you know, and that's yeah. another thing, you know, you talk about all numbers and my head spins. I drive so much and, and, uh, you know, 50,000 miles a year still. And I just think about different stuff. So I, you know, chased birds with all different kinds of weapons, um, all different kinds of stuff. And, but, but that 410 is just the up and up and comer for sure. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. Have you, have you killed a turkey with a bow? Oh, gracious. I killed my last one. I, I knew it would be memorable. So that Arizona bird I shot with a, with a bow. And That's uh, awesome. anyway, he's, he's on the wall, right? That was my, that was my Miriam and yeah. Miriam from Arizona. But I think, uh, um, and, but he's my biggest Miriam as well. So I guarantee I've never done DNA when they make it affordable enough for animals, I'll send a feather in and I, I will guarantee that there's some ghouls in that bird from Southern Arizona 
Uh, I, mm-hmm. I guarantee it because it's by far the biggest. And to me, it was most special. But yeah, I've I've shot a pile with the bow. I finished my That's Grand awesome. Slam in Oklahoma with my crossbow. I've got some friends up there by South of Enid. Um, but, uh, you know, so I've chased all kinds of pistol and gun and I don't know. I'm, yeah. You name That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I have not killed, I'm a, I'm an, I'm a, by nature, you know, whitetail hunter. I've only killed one deer ever with a, with a gun. All of them have always been with a, with a bow, but I've never killed a turkey with anything but a shotgun. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, you get up close I, I, I want to. Yeah. yeah. Well, my son-in-law, he's, he's just the opposite. He's only killed turkeys with his bow and he's never killed one with a shotgun. So it's kind of funny. And we went out last year and we, we hit it pretty hard around here. Our numbers are down yeah. drastically around here. I mean, it's, it's, it's alarming how much they're down. Well, as a matter of fact, the, there's no fall season. Um, and you know, um, talking to, um, I'm not going to say any names, but people in the industry that, that, that know, um, there was, um, serious conversations in the state of Kansas of no turkey seasons at all. That's how low the numbers are, um, around here. But, um, we did not get one last year, but we kind of, we had, we tried hard and we were going to, we were going to switch it up. I was going to try and shoot one with a, with a bow and he was going to shoot one with a shotgun just so we could both say that we had done that. But yeah, yeah, it's, um, we kind of got off track there a little bit, but, but yeah, 410 is the new is the new 12 gauge really with that TSS, that tungsten. Yep. And it's, it is, it is something else. Yep. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. It, it, it's, it truly is remarkable how much that, that stuff works. Yeah. When you um, look at the patterns, you know, I use shoot and see targets, but so I'll, and I'll, I'll bring it with me. If I pick up a client at the airport or whatever, we go out and I say, okay, look at this target. This is with a 410, a 20 and a 12 gauge. I said, look at this. This is at 40 yards this is what the pattern looks like with that gun and that shell. And they just go their jaw. They can't believe it. They say, you gotta be kidding me. That, that's a 12 gauge at 20 yards. No, that's a 410 at 40 yards. So anyway, it's insane. So, so what you're, so with that now, if you were to shoot the 12 gauge with the tungsten, does that equate? I mean, I'm, I would think that that would equate over and you're still going to have more pellets and more knockdown and so a two ounce, so again, so you're shooting with 410, you're shooting seven eighths of an ounce. So it's, if you do the mm-hmm. math, 360 an ounce, seven eighths of an ounce is 315 pellets. A 12 gauge, the normal load is a two ounce. So you're shooting 720 pellets at with a 12 gauge. I mean, it's not even fair. It's, 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 I, 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 I haven't killed a bird with a 12 gauge for a while. And I don't know that I will anymore. I mean, a 20 gauge an ounce and a half or an ounce and three quarters, you're still shooting 500, 600, between five and 600 pellets. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to admit it, but I, I missed, well, our, our mutual friend, Greg Gilman, I missed a turkey at, it was probably 15 yards and I don't know how, it was 12 gauge. It was probably 20 years ago, but he called it in perfect. I to this day do not know how I missed that bird. And we still talk about it. It was that bad of a shot. <laughs> and I mean, we were just, I, I don't, I don't even think I shot a second. I know I didn't shoot a second time. I was that dumbfounded. Yeah. I mean, he called it in. It was perfect. It was all, you know, a 20 minute, 30 minute back and forth. He came in just like we expected. And 
I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you remember those, happens, you remember the bittersweet ones more than you remember mm-hmm. me. Well, the really high and the really low. That's why my kindergarten yeah. teacher still remembers me. And I won't tell you which, I, which <laughs> spectrum I was on, the higher, the low, but she still remembers me. I, th- I think we can read between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. so here, so here's a, a call. It's uh, a company in Sweetwater calls, but a slate call. So we, it's a friction call. So I sand this way. And I'm going to mm-hmm. strike this way. But again, I have different calls and I just want to, there's a purr, yelp, cluck. So it's just to change it up. Here's a box call that, that I just got last year. It's uh, four play is the name of it. And it, it's the, it's got four sides. So normal, normal box call looked yeah. just like this and had, the same wood is usually made out of one piece of wood. Well, he's made, there's one, two, and then there's a hinge side. So you flip it over oh. three, four. So there's four different kinds of wood. So you can, you can, you hinge it and you can, oh, that hinges. So, and again, box call by nature. If you stand next to a box call, they sound pretty rough. You get out 30 or 40 or 50 yards away. They re, it's a whole different world. And of course, inside, but I'll do so. So, and again, another key on when you use a box call, make sure you do a sand. And I've got all my gadgets, but sandpaper, and I do a light sand, and then I do a light chalk. And I'll do that every, not every time I use it, but let's say I turkey hunt in the morning, I'll do it in the morning and it'll be good. And then I'll do it. And depending on how much I use it, I might do a little bit more chalk, but that chalk will absorb moisture. So don't think you're going to pull it out a week later or the next spring. And it's going to sound good because it won't, but. So I went one, one way with this. And then I went the other way. And if I flip it, but again, just a little. Yeah. And you, and you do, you know, just all the little things that you do, but it's vocalization. And then that reaper, that's a whole different course on reaping. And basically I'll leave it next to me and I'll lay it down. If a turkey's everywhere, anywhere close, I want to call him in. I want him at 30 yards and I want him strutting and do all that stuff. But yeah. my job is to get that bird. And, and I'll, if he does not going to play fair, I'm going to sort of push the envelope. So I, I sneak around and I'll hold this up. If he's sitting next, if a bird's next to me and, and it, it's spooked and I'm watching that bird, I'll hold that turkey tail up all of a sudden and they see that tail. And if it's a hen or a jake, they'll see that tail and they'll, it'll calm them down. They say, oh, that's a turkey. But if, it, and if it's a tom, when he sees that, it's the dominance thing. And boy, he'll come when it works, they come running in. And I don't know if you've ever yeah. seen that. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a whole new world of, of fun. It- it, um, well, and again, going back to Greg, Greg is the first person that took me turkey hunting. So I had hunted, well, I say just about everything I hunted just about, I had hunted everything that Kansas had to offer, um, except for turkeys. And, um, then I met Greg, I was, uh, I was probably 20 or in my, in my early twenties. Um, that's when, when he and I met and he took me turkey hunting for the first time. And I was just, and I was really big into waterfowl, um, I, I was ate up with waterfowl. Um, I was probably hunting at that time a minimum of 60 days um, of everything, but I would I would say maybe close to 90 days. Um, wow. Si- single, but I was 
starting with dove season going through then like uh, to Turkey. Um, but, and then also obviously waterfowl, um, archery deer and all that stuff. But when he took me Turkey on the first time, that interaction, the whole, you know, putting them to bed and then just, you know, it, it's the closest thing to me to waterfowl. But when you get a Tom that's working and it's all coming together, man, it's like crack. I've never done crack, but I would think it's like crack. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's just, it just, it's just something else. And I, I personally think that turkey hunting is pro, is the best thing to take somebody that's just wanting to get into hunting. It's like setting that hook in a, you know, on a, on a large mouth. It's because yep. when they're that interaction that, you, you know, you know, they're there, they're back and forth and it doesn't happen every time, you know, you don't, you don't finish the deal every time, but just that interaction and, and, and the amount of adrenaline and energy that you can feel in them. It's just, it's just, it's awesome. I've got and goosebumps right again, now. Again, with about the it. turkey, you know, it starts, well, Hawaii starts March 1st, but Florida's next state, it starts the first Saturday, which is this next year's March 2nd. So March 2nd in the lower 48 and it ends, uh, well, Wisconsin, Michigan, and, and Maine go the first week of June. So you can, a guy, if you wanted to, which that's when I was doing March, April, May, and a week in June. So it's insane. 13 weeks, three, over three months straight of, and because the line Turkey. moves north, it starts in Florida. And then the next couple weeks, it, it moves to the next round of States and then just keeps moving up. And as Florida closes down here, then the middle States are opening up. And then, and so they open up like this and then they close again like that. And, to have that long of a season to work animals that are working right or rut is that's incredible. Yeah, that's great. And then, you know, another thing that just, just came into my mind is that, uh, and I haven't looked into it, so this may be an ignorant comment, but to, to draw for an out of state Turkey, for an out of state hunter, it's probably not as difficult or, and or as expensive as it would be for some type of a big game, you know, like an elk or caribou or, or I guess yeah. caribou turkey but, tag. Yeah. No, your normal turkey tag is anywhere just north of a hundred dollars. I would say is what's if if you have to buy a hunting license like Kansas, you buy a hunting license and then uh, you know the first tag for an out of state is sixty two and then thirty two. So you're a couple hundred dollars for two birds. Uh, you know, and I tell everybody you better ballpark somewhere We're, under. We are only one bird now, and and they just changed two weeks yeah, ago. As you year. know, and and golly. That and for non-residents, now you have to draw, which is really puts a damper on. on our numbers riding. are just down in the last five years or seven years. Our numbers are down like yeah, no other. It's I know, just crazy. I know. But what I don't what, understand is Unit One was two birds. They the last for they've always been two birds. And it was three, and then they went to two. Everybody else is one. But now there's only 700 ta tags available in unit one. There's 2,500 or 2,700 in unit two and unit three. So I don't understand that math. Yeah. So, what, um, what's your, I mean, what's your take on, what do you think the numbers are down? Well, I think, well, several reasons. Predation, nobody does anything with predation. There's not as much habitat. But I, I have to think as as systematically as these animals are, are not reproducing, there's, it's gotta be some chemical stuff. Uh, I've talked to somebody, which it's the first time I heard it was this spring and they, they did a study and they're found finding that with the pheasant and the turkeys, these hens are, they're getting bred, but the toms are, whether it's the hen or the tom, 
they're sterile. They're not, the eggs aren't getting fertilized. So can you imagine, I mean, how devastating and there's something going on that catastrophic for the numbers to have dropped how they were. I mean, heck Kansas, I mean, it was, we were killing almost 30 birds over all kinds of properties over a whole county and unit. Um, and then this last year it was six and we didn't yeah. push hard because we just didn't see the birds and we've slowly just stopped inviting people and taking people out there because it's just, it's bad. Yeah, so. it is. It's, it's crazy bad. I'm with you. I think, um, you know, the, the, the amount of coons and, and, uh, possums that you're seeing and coyotes, um, are, it's, it's, I don't think I've ever in my lifetime seen that many. Yeah. I think that has something to do with it, but I'm also with you. I think it's something to do with, with the, with some type of a chemical or something because it's just crazy. And, and, and again, I'm just speaking out loud. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not, you know, an expert on any of this, but you, you had mentioned, um, uh, a little bit about, um, a habitat, my take on habitat, if I'm thinking back to, um, you know, when I first, again, back into the nineties, when I first got it in, got into hunting of any kind, you know, that was when the farming practices were, were tillable. Everything was tillable. So, I mean, we, we would farm, um, I worked for a farmer and we would, you know, once we, we had harvest right around, you know, June and July, and then you would go and you would disc or plow and you would work that ground and turn it over three or four times. So it was bare ground before then it was put back to wheat for the most part around here. Or, you know, then they had Milo and a little bit of corn back then. We have way more corn than we've ever had. Almost all of it is no-till, which then that's where your chemical comes in. So I always question, there's more, to me, there's more cover and more habitat than ever before because you've got actual, you know, something on the, you know, on the ground, stubble, whatever it may be. But then that also may work against the turkey because where that coyote only had or that, you know, whatever it was, that predator only had so much, you know, they, they also had only so much cover to come in on. So maybe it works against them that there's too much cover. I don't know. Yeah. If, if that's something's the case. Gotta, right. Something's got to get right because it's uh, it's not good. That's for sure. No. We'll all agree on all. that. Now, when you were talking about your box call when you were talking about sanding it, what part of the box call are you talking about sanding? So you sand you on a, on any friction call, there's two pieces that are right. that you're touching. So here's the paddle. So that's, and I'll sand and I've just got this and this is probably 200. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. uh, hundred grit. So I sand it going, going on it. And then I'll get this side. And on this one, I've got four. So I go, right there. Now I get my chalk and I've got a clean, fresh, and you're not sanding down. Uh, no, you're, just, you're not going crazy. You're just knocking the edge off. And then I'll get my, my chalk and I'll run my chalk over that. And then I'll run my chalk over that paddle. And I go both ways against it and put a nice clean edge and that's it. it it's 10 seconds, whatever. And then, and then you have your nice, your nice edge. And on this one, I did all four of them right. You know, on this. So the only thing that's tough is I usually get an extra pair of gloves or hat or something. And I set it on the ground like this, whereas a normal box call, you would have set on the ground like this because this was just solid wood and you only right. had two sides to deal with. Now I just set it like that, which it's not, not a big deal. Yeah. Is there a time, um, where you prefer one call over another? I mean, I'm assuming 
a guy like you, you're going out, you've got the full arsenal. So you're taking the slate call, you're taking the box call, you've got your mouth calls in. When is the time and place for the use of those? Well, when you're in the morning, let's say we all think if, if you've roosted, like you said, when you and Greg did on your first hunt, you roost them, you get in close, you're quiet, and it starts to get here are your whipple willows and your hoot owls and all your and you start and then you just start off with it. And honestly, if you're sitting 20 yards away from your buddy and you say, why didn't you call? And he goes, I was calling. You didn't hear him gobbling. And it, these these calls, it's, it's just so they, they, they have such good sight and they have such good hearing. But here I'd start off with a soft, you know, you don't get up in the morning and go, hey, everybody, let's go. Come on, come on. I mean, you might if you're a sergeant, but that's a box call. And the slate call, you just. <laughs> and here it's 20 by whatever room and you, you wouldn't even hear it almost there. And then, of course, I like to be. So I start off with a slate call and then and again, I go through. I want to be hands free. So if I get an answer with my slate call, then I'll, I'll get a few answers and then I'll go to my mouth call. And if I don't get an answer with my mouth call, I'll go back to the slate call because just like your eyes voice. I mean, when you call, you're like, oh, hey, how's it going? You recognize voices. They all have different voices. We don't we can't tell the difference typically. Right. But then once I get an answer with my mouth call, boom, I put that slate call down because I want to be hands free, whether if I'm the shooter or not. I don't want any movement. I want to be able to have my binoculars, a camera, the fan. I don't want anything. Now, if I'm walking and then I hopefully close the deal with my mouth call. And then my third call is the box call, which that is sort of on a ridge. And you're if it's windy or you're really trying to reach out and get to them. But if you're interacting with a bird, I typically wouldn't just jump to a box call. That's to get a call for a you know, it's big country out West here. I don't use the box call as much, um, where it's so much thicker, you know? So anyway, that's sort yeah. of the three different types of calls and, and when and how I'd use them. For guys that are getting started in it and everything like that, um, in Turkey hunting, what is your recommendation for them trying to grasp and, and master a mouth call? I can speak for myself and have no problem saying it. I feel like with a, as a caller goes, um, for waterfowl, I, I'm, I'm pretty good waterfowl caller. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got a lot of experience with it. Um, I've gone out with a lot of different guys and I feel very confident with a, with a, with a duck call, goose call. Yep. And I you- feel like an idiot with a mouth call. I'm horrible with it. I've tried. I don't know how to make it work. Um, my son-in-law is pretty decent at it. I've been around guys that are good at it. My wife for uh, several years worked out of state and I would be, you know, four hours, six, eight hours driving to go see her. And I would burn a mouth call up in the truck by myself. And what, how do you master it? Cause I'm horrible. I'm terrible. Well, and you sort of hit on a couple of points too, but in the car is a perfect time. But if you listen to yourself when you first picked up a duck call and you listen to yourself now, you're two different people. Two, you mm-hmm. didn't start off, I'm sure, well, most people don't start off and just no. start blowing and they sound like sweetness ready for a competition. And a mouth call, you got to start off. And that's why that single read is so forgiving. And you start off with a single read, single latex and just get used to it. But you, I mean, I, I don't, I, I started off and hold on a second. It's funny. I, uh, I just forgot I had this. Here's a push bin call. 
And this yeah. actual call wasn't my first one, um, but it's it's got a little striker in there and a little spring on it. And yeah. I got to put it back together. And I called a bird in. I didn't know how to use a mouth call. And you just push. It's called a plunger call. Yep. But doing the wrong way. And I, I haven't chalk sanded. This was just sitting on the, on the desk. Right. Yeah. But it, that's so easy to use. I have that, one of those. It's a green plastic one. It's an HS strut. I've, I've, I've had one of those as well. Yeah. But that call, you know, you just got to get it in the roof of your mouth. Your tongue is pushed up and it's the, your air is blowing through that by that latex. And it's so funny. I've never been in a competition for calling and I never would at this point because all I can do is lose. Uh, and the guys that call, they're just amazing. And some of those guys, right. they couldn't find themselves in the, in the, they couldn't find themselves out of the woods. They couldn't find a turkey to save their lives. And, right. but some of them are, are some unbelievable hunters as well. Um, but the, 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 when I, I do the, the calls, um, the being interactive and, and using, uh, just trying and pushing it. Um, but because I'm so good at this and I'm so used to turkey hunting, I can't yeah. use a diaphragm call when I'm elk hunting because I start off and whoever's elk hunted, you can use a, and I use a bugle yeah. tube and it's got a latex built into it because I go right. with my mouth call. I've tried it. I go, yop, 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 yop. and I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Right at the worst <laughs> moment. And I'm with a buddy. So I don't even try it anymore because it's just. It's ingrained in your auto, brain. Absolutely. It's ingrained. So I don't, so I use, and there's so many other calls. I like the latex because it's hand-free, but there's so many other variables or, or different ways to do it. You know, and the slate is a perfect, perfect way there, but there's plenty in that push pin. There's plenty. If a guy can't, I know people, uh, uh, Drury, Mark Drury, he's, he's got a latex, uh, uh, allergy, so he can't use a mouth call. And, and mm -hmm. it wasn't always like that. It's just like allergies for a lot of people. They come on different times. Yeah. That's I'm covered in poison ivy right now because we've been putting out tree stands and getting ready. And I can remember, well, my first deer hunting experiences in the woods, we were building with two befores. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, stands. It was, it was before there was really any type of a hang on or any kind of tree stand, but I can remember going out with my brother and grabbing, you know, strands of poison ivy and we, and pulling it off nothing. And, um, I lived in Arizona, um, until about, uh, 13, 12 or 13 years ago when we moved back and, uh, I didn't even know I, I was in the backyard and, you know, with my daughter and the next day she itching and I'm itching and she's like, what is this? I'm like, it must be poison ivy, but I'm not allergic to it. And then, you know, of course then, you know, a little while later I went out thinking I'm not allergic to poison ivy and started trying to, you know, act like I did before. And then I'm covered in it and yeah, and now I'm covered in it again. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, as you get older, you get allergic, you know, allergies to things. So yeah. I, I can totally relate to that, but, um, I wanted to ask you what, what is the characteristics? What are the, the behaviors of the different breeds of Turkey of the, of the different, which are, are they, how much alike are they? How much different are they? Which one's the hardest one to hunt? Well, everybody says the hardest one to hunt is the Osceola. And if you looked at all the equation, the numbers, and because there's so few, it's it's the Osceola. It's the most expensive, hardest numbers and all that stuff. But the Eastern in the woods, the Eastern is by far the toughest, the smartest bird. They've been hunted harder, 
why all the re I don't know, but the Miriams, I mean, you show me a Miriam bird uh, in the Northwest and he's pretty much, I'm figuring out how I'm going to take a picture of that Joker and Eastern boy. I mean, he could be flopping and I'm still holding the gun going, watch him, watch him, you know, but, but <laughs> you use the same decoys, the same camo, the same calls, the same, everything. They, they all, they all have the same vocalizations. I've never heard one time that somebody said that, uh, there's a certain vocalization from one of the subspecies than the other. They, they, they all do the, it's the same exact chess match, but on an equation from a, on a scale from one to 10, being that an Eastern is a 10 being the hardest. Um, and Osceola is probably a five or six. And then, uh, yeah. a Rio is probably a four. And then a Miriam is probably a two as far as yeah. being hard to hunt. Once it's man against bird in the field, no other var variables, whether it's public or private, and that's its own different scale, whether it is a public or private bird, but an Eastern in the Southeast in Alabama, Mississippi, or Georgia, um, on public ground, if you're consistently taking toms in Alabama off public ground in Talladega National Forest, Boy, man, my hats are off to you. I wouldn't want to be a guy doing that day in and day out because it's that's they're the smartest that that come by. You know, couple more quick real questions. What birds are in Hawaii? What what Rios. species? Rios, and unfortunately, and only Rios. Pat Fisher was my good friend out there, and he he passed away, had a heart attack on Valentine's Day this year. Just literally I'm sorry unbelievable. To hear that. And, uh, but his, his good friend and people call me. So if you want to reach out to me, I help out people. You know, mom always said, the more you help others get what they want, the faster you get what you want. Amen. And I help people, uh, uh, Osceola's. If you don't want to go for a guided bird, the month of November, you can put in for a, a special opportunity hunt. And there's, there's all different kinds of ways to do that. So there's easy ways to do it for a do it yourself or a true do it yourself or but the Rios are in Hawaii and there's public ground out there. I hunted public ground. I also was put in touch with Pat and I met him on that hunt and hunted with him as well. And we've stayed in touch for years uh, with, I've sent, I, so I help out people to hunt for their super, the U.S. Super Slam, because um, I've got properties and permission and, and set up with different landowners all over the, the country. So I help others just do it yourselfers pretty much. Uh, yeah, their birds. That's awesome. Um. The other question I want to ask you is the oscillated that we talked about there for a second. That's down in Yucatan. That's such a pretty bird, and and it almost it almost doesn't look like a turkey, but obviously it does have the characteristics to it. Um, yep. Where does it fit into the mix with regards to the birds we have here in the states? Total different. It shouldn't. I don't know. I it is part of the turkey, but. They don't gobble, they drum. It sounds like if you got a water jug and you beat mm -hmm. the bottom, an empty one, dum, 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 dum. And they actually get a two and a half gallon, not the five gallon one, but they beat on that. But they, and they look more like a peacock, if you will. Yeah. But they're small. They're, they're only 10, 11 pounds as a tom. They don't have beards. They have really long spurs. Um, you know, and I hunted it just because I did to say I did it. Um, I'll go back with the family and so they, everybody can shoot and say they check it off the list, but it's a whole different ball of wax by far. And 
and the um, what's the species that's in northern Mexico? The the and, Goulds. And, uh, the Gould. Thank you. Yes. Yep. Are they? Where do they fit into the mix? And what are they? They're just like a Miriam's. When you get down into Mexico and hunt those, they never get pressure. And those mountain birds, you know, it's there's different outfitters down there, and and it's it's a huge high success rate whenever you're going down there. And it's they're expensive birds, but just you know traveling across the you know in different, right. different country and you know. Yeah, and right now I've heard a lot about the safety of being down in there and 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 so forth. Yep. Uh, in order to take those birds. But so, <clears throat> which, so you're saying that the oscillated is one that you, you that what wasn't as memorable for you or, or didn't do as much for you? Yeah, yeah. I just don't, honestly, I personally don't really consider it a turkey. I mean, they look mm-hmm. just, they look like it, but it's ish, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of how I, uh, you know, I haven't, I've never laid eyes on one. I've seen one um, mounted before, um, yeah. but. Uh, they're definitely beautiful. I mean, they're, they're a very pretty bird for sure. Beautiful. Well, Hey man, Jeff, I greatly appreciate your expertise and, uh, having you come on here. It's been fun. Uh, I look forward to, you know, continuing to stay in touch and stuff like that. I'm going to, I'm going to be reaching out to you for sure. Uh, you know, talking to you about trying to help me complete my, uh, my, my slam, because I definitely want to do that. And, uh, I'm greatly appreciated. And yeah. again, for our listeners out there, thank you for coming on here and listening to us. If you like us, it's imperative being, um, as we say, oftentimes on here, we're part of the two a world and, um, you know, being guns and hunting that doesn't mix with social media, but it is what it is. So if you could, uh, if you like what we're doing and you, and you could be so nice as to subscribe and like, and comment and share our content, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can find us on pod, uh, our podcast, uh, you know, on iTunes or, uh, uh, Spotify, uh, uh, Google, YouTube for the video. And, uh, Jeff, you're, you're on, um, Facebook, you said, and, uh, are you yeah. on YouTube? Do you have a YouTube channel as well? I, I don't just Instagram and Facebook, Jeff S. Buds. Just ins- Jeff S. Buds. So, yeah. um, again, I greatly appreciate it. We'll uh, make sure we tag all that stuff in the, in the, uh, posting of everything and, Again, I appreciate you being on here, Jeff, and uh, we'll talk soon. I guarantee you that, and uh, I look forward to it. All right, Kip. Thanks a lot for your time. You bet. No problem. And again, Powder and String Podcast, thank you for joining, and until next time. 